Bill, take your feet off the table and help me straighten up. Nancy will be home any minute, and she's bringing some friends with her. For her friends, I don't have to clean up. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. These are the guys I told you about. Mom, Dad, oh. meet Cheap Trick. Cheap Hello. Trick. Yeah, Robin is the lead singer, isn't he? Adorable. Yeah, adorable. And Tom Peterson plays the bass guitar and creates auras. And Rick was a cartoon character before he joined the group. Oh. And this is Venezuela. He was named after a country in South America, I think. Venezuela. They played in bars and bowling alleys and even warehouses, and now they've got an album out. Awesome. Why don't you play one of the songs from your album for my parents, guys? Hello, my name is Rick Nielsen. I play guitar and I'm very handsome. Yeah. Hello. Hello, I'm Tom Peterson and I play bass guitar and here it is. Hello, I'm Robin Zander and I sing for the group. I prefer to listen to Cheap Trick. This is another one off the album. Welcome to Rock and or Roll. I'm your reluctant host, BJ. So finally this year, for the first time, Cheap Trick have been nominated for potential induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They are one of 15 nominees and have been hovering near the middle of the list as far as the fan voting goes on the website. But they are tens of millions of votes behind the top five, which is currently Chicago, The Cars, Yes, Steve Miller, and Deep Purple. The only artist in that top five that I have a problem with is Steve Miller, who in my opinion made horrible music that influenced no one. But I think it's just common sense that Deep Purple should be at number one. Regardless, I don't have a lot of faith that Cheap Trick will be inducted this year, but at least they've been included in the discussion, because as you probably know, Cheap Trick are my favorite band and, in my opinion, just hands down the coolest rock band ever. If you take a look at my record collection, you'll see my favorite genres are straight up 70s rock, 70s glam rock, 70s hard rock, late 70s punk rock, late 70s early 80s power pop, 80s heavy metal, 80s AOR, 80s into the early 90s glam metal. Well, there's only one band that has incorporated all of those.
The real brains behind Cheap Trick, especially in the prime years, the late 70s, early 80s, is a brilliant songwriter and guitar player named Rick Nielsen, who is a huge rock fan himself with lots of obscure favorites, and his eccentric taste has definitely enhanced the adventurousness and individuality of his songwriting style. Since 1974, Cheap Trick have been fronted by, in my opinion, the greatest singer rock and roll has ever seen, Robin Zander. And the band has been propelled along by the best rhythm section a band could ask for, seasoned and confident musicians named Tom Peterson and Bunny Carlos. Listen, I'll, I'll never eat a double cheeseburger before bed again, really. What makes Cheap Trick great, obviously, is the incredible songs and how well those songs are performed. But what makes Cheap Trick really great, and my favorite band, is all of the wacky personality and the sense of humor. The band has always been subtly satirical and mysterious, but always with tongue planted firmly in cheek. Rick Nielsen was always fearless and just plain obnoxious in the way he wrote and presented his music. Sometimes with Cheap Trick, you have to pay attention. And sometimes it's an either you get it or you don't proposition. But in the end, Cheap Trick's music, in the early years especially, was music made by huge rock and roll fans who just love rock and roll, loved playing rock and roll, and the music just couldn't have been more inspired or pure of heart. And also they were extremely talented musicians. So it was the best of both worlds. They loved doing it, and they were really good at it. And you write so many other songs. What motivates you there? Well, I like music. You do? I love music. I love to play it. I love to perform it. I love to and play around. And you perform around. it so well. Here's a song we haven't done before, and it starts with Mr. Buddy Carlos on the drums. So this episode has been long overdue, but I suppose the main reason that it took me so long to do this is that there are already many hours of me babbling about Cheap Trick on a podcast. A podcast called Cheap Talk with Trick Chat, which was started by the podfather himself, Ken Mills. And thankfully, since early on, he's included me 
And so we've done a lot of great episodes. There's many hours, like I said, of great cheap trick discussion on that podcast. You can find, as of this time, all 30 episodes of that podcast in the Podkissed feed on iTunes and at podkissed.com. I thought what I would do for this episode of the podcast would be to go album by album, talk a little bit about each of Cheap Tricks, as of this date, 16 studio albums, and play a song from each of those albums. Cheap Trick's first self-titled album was released by Epic Records in 1977, produced by Jack Douglas, who had just finished making the amazing record Rocks with Aerosmith. So he was on a fucking roll because Rocks is insane and so is the first Cheap Trick album. It's just insane. Probably my favorite Cheap Trick album. Obviously one of my favorite albums of all time. The record is heavy and dark, sometimes just plain weird and just impossible to pigeonhole. Is it hard rock, glam rock, punk, power pop, metal? That's the thing. It's all of them. What's interesting is that at the time that they were making the record, the band already had incredible pop songs like I Want You to Want Me and Surrender and Southern Girls in their arsenal, but they chose a select group of the dark and twisted songs, and they made a certain kind of record, uh, basically a heavy schizophrenic album and a true rock masterpiece. I've already played a couple of songs from this album on the podcast. He's a Whore, you can hear on the Playing Favorites episode. Hot Love, I played on the 8-Tracks episode. So let's hear one of the more oddball tracks from the album. If you ever wonder what I mean when I say a song has a great hook, well, this song is a perfect example. This is a song by Cheap Trick from their 1977 debut called Cry Cry.
for their second album, Cheap Trick Switch Producers, bringing Tom Werman on board, who I guess was fresh from producing Cat Scratch Fever. And for their second album, the band would completely change things up and make mostly a pop-sounding record. But really, I have to say, it is just as good or almost as good as the first record, but so different. Almost like a completely different band made the album. The first record seems to have been mostly recorded live in the studio. It's a raw and raucous rock album, but In Color is very polished and very produced, but it really works well. This, of course, is the record that originally featured I Want You to Want Me, but a lot of people don't like the syrupy version of the song on this record, even though I like it a lot. Really, a lot of people don't like the production on In Color, but I think it's great. Completely different from the first album, but still great. Pretty much the whole album, song for song, is amazing, but let's hear probably the heaviest song on the album and the song that I guess most closely resembles the first album mainly and one of my favorite Cheap Trick songs, a song from the second album in color called Big Eyes.
for the third album, Heaven Tonight, Cheap Trick stuck with Tom Werman, but made a slightly less polished sounding album. This was the band's third album to be released within a 14-month period, so they might have run a little bit short on material here, and all the way through, it's not quite as astoundingly great as the first two albums. Now, this is just my opinion, remember. This is a great record, but might fall one or two songs short, at least for me. But of course, it does open with one of the band's most revered classics, Surrender, and it also includes one of my top five favorite Cheap Trick songs, an absolutely brilliant exercise in songwriting by Rick Nielsen called On Top of the World.
The saga of Cheap Trick's live album at Budokan is pretty well known. And also you can go listen to episode number 25 of Cheap Talk, where we were joined by Steve West from Danger Danger to discuss that story of the at, at Budokan live album. So I'm going to stick with the studio albums here. And the next one came out in September of 1979. And the interesting thing about Cheap Trick's fourth album, Dream Police, is that it was completely finished before At Budokan became a breakout hit record. So even though Dream Police was poised to capitalize on the massive success of Budokan, the band did not have the opportunity to write and record the record with that in mind. But in the end, they couldn't have done a much better job. We did a great episode of Cheap Talk about this album with veteran musician Dean Falcone. So if you want to learn everything there is to know about Dream Police, go check out episode number 21 of Cheap Talk. For now, let's hear another of the greatest Cheap Trick songs. It just doesn't get much better than this song. Second song on Dream Police, a song called Way of the World. Dream Police was a hit record. It went platinum, but I'm sure hopes were even higher at the time, coming off of the massive success of the live record. So what were Cheap Trick going to do next? Well, Cheap Trick is a band that seems to love dichotomies. So what they did was they brought in famed Beatles producer George Martin to produce the next album, but they sure didn't try to sound like the Beatles. The band's fifth album, all Shook Up, which came out in October of 1980, sounds like it's cover. It's weird. 1980 was a weird year for rock and roll. Everything, it seems, was in flux, and it was sort of impossible to know where things were going. And Cheap Trick definitely didn't try to make a new wave album, but they made a different sounding album, that's for sure, and not an album that was clearly aiming for the pop charts, which is strange given the position the band was in. 
All Shook Up is not one of my favorite Cheap Trick albums, but it's still great, and the wealth of ideas here puts most other bands' albums to shame. Let's hear my personal favorite song from the record. Great song called Can't Stop It, But I'm Gonna Try. All Shook Up still managed to go gold, and so would the band's next album, album number six for Cheap Trick, released in April of 1982, a record called One on One. We did a pretty in-depth episode about this album on Cheap Talk, episode number 14. I know I already said that the first two Cheap Trick albums are sort of my favorites, especially the first album, but this record is also either my favorite or one of my favorites. I love this record. It was produced by Roy Thomas Baker, who was famous for producing Queen and The Cars. And it would have been interesting, really interesting, to hear Baker approach Cheap Trick from the point of view of the way he approached either Queen or The Cars. But instead, he decided to make, I guess, his version of a heavy metal album with Cheap Trick. He approached Cheap Trick as a heavy band, for the most part. I guess it mainly came down to the songs that Rick was bringing in, but... What you get with One on One is a half metal album and half pop punk with an absolutely brilliant ballad in there as well and a couple of moments of pure Rick weirdness. So it's all here. This is a great, great 
Cheap Trick album. Also, of course, it's the first album they made with replacement bassist John Brandt after Tom Peterson left the group. If you haven't heard One on One, do yourself a favor and go get it. But for now, check out Robin Zander just killing it. I'm looking out for number one. I'm looking out for Like I said, all shook up and one-on-one at least went gold. But now Cheap Trick would really go into a slump sales-wise. For their next album, Next Position Please, released in August of 1983, they brought in Todd Rundgren to produce. And they made a great album. Very different sounding album from one-on-one, but still great. But the record just didn't go anywhere. The video for I Can't Take It, first song on the record, a great song written by Robin Zander, The video got some airplay on MTV, but it just didn't break through. The album features an amazing ballad called Why Oh Why Oh Why that wasn't even released as a single. This was the album, I guess, where the record company interference really began. So they were kind of struggling here and trying to make something happen, but they made a great record in the process. I believe I played my favorite song from this album, an incredible piece of work called Borderline, on the Playing Favorites episode. Let's hear the last song on the record, an awesome romp called Invaders of the Heart.
So Cheap Trick definitely made some changes for the next album and tried to, I guess, update their sound, incorporating an unfortunate set of influences. But at the same time, even though I might take issue with some of the production choices, they made a great 80s rock record for album number eight, an album called Standing on the Edge, the title track of which is a work of pure brilliance, well, minus the lyrics. The album supposedly marked the return of Jack Douglas as producer, but from what I've heard, he kind of stepped away, and in the end, even though his name is on it, he didn't really produce the album, but it's hard to know for sure. An outside songwriter named Mark Radice has his name on every song except one on this album, but it would be my guess that anything that sounds off about the record, maybe it was because of that guy. I don't know. (laughs) I hope Mark doesn't hear this, but... Maybe he could uh, come on Cheap Talk and shed some light on this. But, you know, it's hard to say. But in the end, I really like this record, especially the title track and this song. One of my favorites by the band. A song called How About You.
out there and hide the shape awake from things are hard to define So now we've arrived at one of the main contenders for the title of Worst Cheap Trick Album, the production of which was very misguided, but I guess it must have made at least some sense in 1986. The album, which was called The Doctor, it came out in November of 86. It was produced by Tony Platt, who had also mixed Standing on the Edge after Jack Douglas bailed on the project. It seems like Platt just used the everything but the kitchen sink production technique. Lots of keyboards, samples, sound effects, vocal effects. A lot of bad choices. There's just way too much going on, and even though some of the songs seem quite good, they're just buried under all this shit. The album opens with what could have been a great song called It's Up To You, but the production is just so over the top, it really hurts the song. I do enjoy some of the poppy stuff like Are You Lonely Tonight and It's Only Love, but let's hear what has to be the best song on the album. Really good ballad called Take Me to the Top.
So Cheap Trick hit bottom with The Doctor. The Doctor is Cheap Trick's bottom, commercially and creatively. And at this point, the record contract is in jeopardy. So what happened is the record company inserted themselves into the creative process and basically forced the band to bring in outside songwriters. So every song but one on the band's next album has at least one name attached to it that's not a band member. And, you know, commercially it worked. Lap of Luxury, which came out in April of 1988, it was a big hit for the band. Thanks, you know, mostly to the number one single, The Flame. 
But if you go back and look at the band's four previous albums, each of those albums included a great ballad written by the band that was a far better song than The Flame. But those weren't hits, and The Flame was, and that's just how it seems to work. Richie Zito definitely did a better job of producing this record than you know, Tony Platt did with The Doctor, but some of these songs that were forced on the band, especially a song like Space, they're not very good. There are two songs on the record that I love. The first song, Let Go, which I played on the Into the 80s episode, and another song written by Robin Zander and Tom Peterson called Never Had a Lot to Lose, which was released as a single and had a video. That's a great song, classic Cheap Trick song. But let's hear another really good song from Lap of Luxury, which was co-written by Rick Nielsen and Greg Jafria. I used to always think it was Jeffria when I was a kid, but I hear a lot of people say Jeffria. So Greg Jeffria from Angel, later House of Lords. This is a song from Lap of Luxury called All We Need Is a Dream. So how would Cheap Trick follow up that elusive hit record?
how would they follow up Lap of Luxury? Well, with a very similar album, of course, called Busted, which came out in June of 1990 and was also produced by Richie Zito. Busted is a very tame, safe-sounding record. And the band were in trouble here. They were painting themselves into some kind of a weird, soft rock corner. And that could have been a disaster. But luckily, they would claw their way out of this adult contemporary pit that they were sliding into. Busted is a decent album. Song for song, it's more consistent than Lap of Luxury. But only one song really stands out for me. A great song written by Robin and Rick called I Can't Understand It.
Busted was the worst kind of a sellout, if you will, the kind where you sell out and still fail. Busted was clearly made as a sequel to Lap of Luxury. It was Lap of Luxury 2, and it was really sad to see a band as talented and creative and at one time fearless, now playing it safe. And then, a year after an album filled with compromises was released, the band were unceremoniously dropped by Epic Records, just three years after having a number one hit single. So it would be nearly four years between Busted and Cheap Trick's next album. And as we all know, a lot changed in the realm of rock and roll between 1990 and 1994. So with their next album, Woke Up With A Monster, Cheap Trick now, they needed to regain their cult status. That's kind of the position they were in at that point. They were in a unique position, really, where, yeah, all the guys in the hair metal bands, they had loved Cheap Trick, but all the guys in the grunge bands loved them as well. And there were not many bands that could straddle that line. Thankfully, Cheap Trick did not make some kind of a pandering alternative rock type record. They were signed with Warner Brothers and produced by Ted Templeman, who, you know, like it was the house producer, I probably at Warner Brothers at the time, probably. I think he was involved in signing Cheap Trick to the label as well. So they had a cool producer, new label, completely different music scene to send this record out into. And they just made a great Cheap Trick record with lots of personality. Great rock songs, great pop songs, great ballads. A fearless Cheap Trick record that did not in any way try to come across as alternative or modern rock. It's just a Cheap Trick album, far removed from Lap of Luxury and Busted. So there are a couple of clunkers on the album, but overall, Woke Up With A Monster is a great record. Let's hear my favorite song from the album, a song called You're All I Wanna Do.
Yeah, woke up with the monster was great, but it flopped, and Cheap Trick found themselves being dropped by a record label for the second time in five years, and it would be three more years before they would release another album, this time with a small label called Red Ant Records, a label that would pretty soon after releasing the album go out of business on the band, but this record, which for some reason they decided not to give a name, so it's become known as CT97 or Cheap Trick, or 1997, since the band already had a self-titled album, their first album, but then this one was just self-titled as well. But regardless of the title, they should have given it a title, but, you know, beyond that, the 1997 album is truly great. It's a really inspired piece of work. The band gave it their all, but the label and the public failed them again, and the record was not commercially successful. Creatively, it was a huge success, but, you know, not a lot of attention. Let's hear the first single from this album, Cheap Trick's self-titled album from 1997. This song should have been a hit. It doesn't get much better than this. It's a song called Say Goodbye.
So at this point, Cheap Trick had really been put through the ringer on these last three albums. Bust did seem poised to be a big record, but it was not. Then they were dropped. They were resurrected by Warner Brothers, made a great record that tanked. So they went the indie label route, made another absolutely killer album that failed for one reason or another. So after that, it would be six years before they'd release another album. And when that album finally came out in July of 2003, an album called Special One, it would be destined to be probably my least favorite record by the band. It really seems to me like their heart wasn't in it, at least not all the way. And since they had six years to refine these songs, one might have hoped for something that felt more cohesive and polished and finished. So a special one was a big disappointment, and I really don't even know which song to play from it. Um, I guess I'll just play the first song on the record, which I like, and yet it just doesn't quite click for me, but I do like it. But, well, let me know what you think. Rock and or roll podcast at gmail.com. Here it is, the first song from Special One, Cheap Tricks 2003 record, song called Scent of a Woman. Now, woman, the scent of a woman, a man don't add up to much next to a woman. Man can't ever forget the taste of a woman. A man's half the test. A man's half the best. A man can't understand the reasons why. A man's just a day in the life of a woman. Just a few minutes a night. 
so special one, very disappointing for me at least. But then in June of 2006, the band released an album called Rockford. And holy shit, what an album. One of my favorite records by the band. Just an amazing collection of songs. I was absolutely blown away when Rockford came out. Everything that was wrong, from my point of view, with Special One, is done right on Rockford. No band in the history of rock and roll has made music as good as the music on Rockford that deep into their career. Almost 30 years in, and Cheap Trick were still making a vital ass-kicker of a rock and roll album. It's amazing. Trust me, buy Rockford by Cheap Trick. What song should I play from Rockford? There's so many great ones. I love this album, Rockford by Cheap Trick. Just great. I'll just play my favorite song, a pop masterpiece called If It Takes a Lifetime.
years and June of 2009, we were graced with another album by Cheap Trick. And it's not as good as Rockford, but the album, which they called The Latest, is great. And once again, more than 30 years in and still making great new music. It's pretty incredible. The Latest is pretty different from Rockford. Rockford was much more of a rock record. But there are a variety of great ballads on the latest. It's a moody and eclectic album with a little bit of filler, but overall it's quite good. Let's hear my favorite song from the album and one of the most up-tempo songs on the latest. Great, great song called Alive.
So here we are, six years later, and the latest is still the latest Cheap Trick album. But supposedly a new record will be coming next year. Since the latest came out, Bunny Carlos was ejected from the band under mysterious circumstances, which is very unfortunate. But here we are, and Cheap Trick have been nominated for possible induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So if they actually are inducted, which I doubt will happen, hopefully Bunny will be up there at the podium with them. How many, like, when did you start? How, how young were you when you were in your first band? Oh, when the Beatles came out, I was 12 years old, and then I had to get a set of drums. And uh, I saw Rick's band when I was about 14, and Tom's band when I was about 14, and I was about 18. Robin and me got in a band together, and uh, and then when we were about 21, we all ended up in band together. Cheap Trick. So you know Robin for quite a few years, even before Cheap Trick was. Yeah, oh yeah. Me and Robin had a he was he was in a band. Him and his buddy is Brian and. Uh, I was in a band, we had a single out in 1967 when we were kids and stuff, and uh, it turned out real good. We started Cheap Trick, and Robin was under contract to a place in the Dell, so we got another singer for a year, and then Robin joined us, and Rick started writing them, them cool tunes. Here's a brand new one. Starts with Mr. Bunny Carlos. So there you have it, Cheap Trick. What a body of work. Now I just went through the studio albums here, but the band have had a bunch of great songs on movie soundtracks, and they had a great box set come out in the late 90s. There's so much great non-album material out there by the band as well. So, you know, just scraping the surface here, which how many incredible songs are in the Cheap Trick catalog, released and unreleased. Now, 
And now to play us out. What does that mean? To play us out. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. I'm going to leave you with a rare song by the band. This song dates back to the early years of the band, but they didn't record it in the studio until there was a legendary session with Jack Douglas in, I think, January of 1980, where the band recorded a whole album's worth of songs, most of them songs from their early live set. And I think it was for some sort of a publishing demo or just to get an official recording of these songs, you know, in the canon, so to speak. Uh, this song eventually would be released as the B-side of a promotional 7-inch that was sent out to promote a 2004 two-disc set called The Essential Cheap Trick. So it, as far as I know, it's only been officially released on that promo 7-inch. So here it is, an amazing cheap trick outtake called Oh Boy. Till next time.
I'll be back.